Hallelujah. Well, I got a great word today. Last week was Mother's Day, and we just kind of uh, just appreciated them, gave gifts to them, and loved on them. And, uh, but this morning, and not for another reason that, but uh, this morning I just felt the Lord really direct this message towards men. I believe God always has and always is looking for men of God. He always has been and always is looking for men to step up and be men of God. And, and there's such a need for men in our homes today, a need for fathers, a need for leaders on every level. And I'm going to talk to us a lot about choice. And tonight, this morning's message is on the love of the Father and the choice of a man. So did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Are you ready? Let's make our declaration. Are you ready, guys? Almost ready? There it is. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the truth. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, our leader, our comforter, and our guide in every situation. Holy Spirit, bring truth revealed to us today. Allow our hearts to receive, our eyes to see, and our ears to hear, so that your word might be planted in our heart and bring forth the harvest that it contained in Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go to Joshua chapter 24. And uh, I'm going to read about 14 verses here with you. We're going to go through this, and we'll probably read a lot of scripture. So I hope you have your Bible there. Flip to it, watch it, and uh, so you can follow along and uh, read these for yourself. Joshua chapter 24 and uh, verse 14. And as we begin to talk about choice, let me just pause and interject this right here. We're living right now in this day, this hour, this moment. There's more choice being presented to us than ever before. Do I do this? Do I don't do that? And we're having to make choices based on, on just fragmented information and inconsistent information and trying to decide what to believe, what not to believe. So all that kind of stuff when we go out. Do I go out? Don't I go out? Do I wear a mask? Do I don't wear a mask? Do I wear a glove? Do I do this? Do I do that? And it's just crazy time. But God has always given man instruction on how to make right choices. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose. Somebody say choose. Choose Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So here's a man of God standing up and declaring, for me and my house. And that's what God needs. These men who are bold enough to stand up today and declare what the standard is going to be for their house. Hallelujah. Verse 16. So the people answered and said, far be it from that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did those things, uh, who did those great signs in our sight and, excuse me, and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Verse 18. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorite, who dwell in the land 
we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you can't serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions or your sin. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do to you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Verse 21, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourself to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And look down at verse 27, and Joshua said to all the people, and they set up a stone as a marker, behold, this stone shall be a witness for it has, listen to this, for it has heard the words of the Lord, which he spoke to us, and it shall therefore be your witness to you lest you deny your God. Wow. So what a challenge. Amen. That we would serve the Lord and make that choice. So follow along with me there here. And uh, so we have this little lesson for you today. God has always placed a choice before his man. His love for us can never override the power of of our choice. God's love can never override the power of his choice. What he does is he affords us the grace to change our choice and to choose life. And in that, it means he gives us the space and the opportunity for repentance. See, man from the beginning has had the freedom to choose his own course in life and to chart his own destiny. God has always laid out his plan before man, showing us his will and his heart. Then he purposed poses the question of choice to us. Now what will you do? When you and I hear the word of God, that's what God says. God's given us his word. He's laid out his plan before. And he says, now here's a choice before you. That's what Joshua said. He declared the word of the Lord. They had received the law. God had set forth his standard, declared his promises to them. And then he says, now what are you going to do? What is going to be your choice? So he says, I've shown you my plan. What is your choice? You see the choice. Think about that. The choice. Think about today and everything that's going on. I believe that it has never been harder to make it. To make the right choice. To choose. We're living in a day and an hour where we're just intensified with the multiplicity of choices. There are, there, there are more mediums of expression available today than at any other time before in the history of the world. Think about it. Music, movies, media, streaming, peers, teachers, society, and the latest technology. We're going 5G, 6D, 25G. Who knows? But every time something comes along, there's something new introduced, and it's a new way of access into our life. It's a new mode. It's a new introduction of some kind of access into your life to begin to shape and to influence the choices that we make. Every part of it is always directed to moving you into the direction they want you to go. And God is always speaking to us to lead us in the direction that he has for. And so my definition of this, I believe the apple has never been bigger. In the garden, the devil said, hey, look at, look at the fruit on the tree. Look at this. And, and so the temptation, the object of temptation in that day was singular. 
It was one thing. But today, it's multiplied, it's expanded, it's exploded even before our eye. But hear me this morning. His love cannot make us choose wisely. We have to do that. God loves us, and He can't make us choose wisely. We have to make that choice ourselves. His love for us has made provision for forgiveness and restoration. His love is unfailing and never changing and is always open to His men. But we have to be the one who chooses to live right for God. Think about it. With so many voices calling out and saying, follow me, listen to me, come to me, receive me, believe me. I can tell you where to go and how to get there. They all promise happiness and fulfillment in life, but none can deliver except God. And so when it comes to the area of this, I always think about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul is writing to the church there and he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And he says, how is it that you were led away by these dumb idols? And the word dumb there doesn't mean uh, 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 ignorant or, or unintelligent. What it means is that they were uh, idols or gods that have no voice. God is the only God. He is the living God and he is the God of the voice. God has a voice, the voice of God. In the beginning, Adam heard the voice of God walking in the garden, calling unto him. It is God who has a voice. Everything else man makes has a counterfeit voice. It's not the voice of God, but, but it comes as a voice. But those voices cannot produce or bring fulfillment. Only God can. When Jesus arrived on the scene, he proclaimed a new truth and a new direction. That I, you have heard it, listen to what he said in, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitude. You have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. A new truth and a new way of living. A new truth and a new way of living and a new direction for man to choose. He offered those who would follow him two things. Number one, the life of God or eternal life with him. And secondly, the reward of heaven. Amen. How many could just look around and say, you know what? This world isn't all that it's cracked up to be. So the reward of heaven sounds awesome when you think about that. You think about the promises of God and the reward that he's given to us. The reward of heaven is righteousness, it's purity, it's peace, it's joy. It's the presence of God in our life. See, these can only be received by following him and listening only to him. You know what? As men, we're pulled in a lot of different directions. And that. But there's something that happens when a man rises up and says, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to follow after God. I want to have God's heart to be my heart. So I'm going to follow him, seek him, that I might find him. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> now let me just say to this, there's a price to pay in order to obtain the prize. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 said it like this. He says, I'm pressing for the prize. Of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's a crown of righteousness. I'm pressing for that. For the reward of heaven. But there's a price to obtain and receive the prime. But I believe we're living in a day where never has there been a time when the price seemed higher to people. And the prize seemed smaller. Hey pastor what do you mean by that? I believe people have their value system turned upside down. That to say yes to God, oh, that just cost too much. I have to give up too much. The, the prize isn't worth the price. 
The price of heaven, the price of, of righteousness, the price of life in God, the price of everything that he promises in his word, to live by God, to say yes to God, to make him my God, to do as Joshua said, to put away all those influences, all those secular worldly influences, all those other voices, to be led by the Spirit instead of led by desire. Amen. That's too high a price to pay. Isn't there a cheaper way? Isn't there more an economical way? Kmart's closed, but isn't there a blue light special on serving God? No, there's no blue light special. The truth never goes on sale. Somebody ought to shout amen. So think about it. Never has there been a day when the prize seemed, price seemed higher and the prize seemed smaller. Hear this this morning. Never let the glitter and glamour of this temporary world outshine the eternal glory of God in your heart. God's promise, His glory, the presence of God, the reality of God ought to be shining brighter in our hearts as men of God, as women of God, than anything this world has to offer. You see, the choice before us has never been changed and never will. We can have our desire or we can have His destiny. We either choose our desire, what I want, or we can have the destiny that God has prepared for us. We all have the freedom to choose what we desire to be, or we can choose to be what He has designed us to be. Amen. God has a stamp and a design on every person's life. A couple weeks ago, our men were together for a Bible study, and we talked about that a little bit when we talked about abortion. What happens there is that every child birthed and conceived in a mother's womb is a destiny formed by God. And it's a destiny and a life and a purpose and fulfillment that the world will never get to experience. Because God creates every person with a stamp of destiny, eternal destiny and purpose upon their lives. And the loss of life in the womb is one of the greatest travesties that's happened upon humanity in the recent generations. Amen. Amen. So think about this. We all have the freedom to choose what we desire to be or we can choose to be what he has designed us to be. So man has two choices set before him. Number one, obey God. The result of obeying God is life and life more abundant. Look at what Jesus said. I have come that you might have life. But what do we have to do? We have to choose him. And we have to choose the life that he has offered us. Secondly, or I can obey myself, sin, and the devil. And that produces death. Every time. People say, well, I, I, I've been... Haven't been saved that long, or I'm not saved yet, and I'm not dead. No, but you're separated from God. You need to hear this. The desire of all temptation is to take control and to dominate, to steal and destroy, and to kill in the end. Every temptation is set up to take control of you. The things that we can, you can get on your media. There are so many people addicted to pornography. Amen. It's rampant. And all kinds of other things that people are just addicted to. Watch this. Look at the addiction of phones. I don't know any. I have met anybody that's not addicted to their phone. People carrying it. They're on it. They're doing whatever. And now, more than ever, i, I got to check myself out because, you know, we're communicating on them. We're doing all this stuff. And if you have an iPhone, it tells you how much screen time you're doing every day. This is your report of your screen time. Amen. You know, and with phones and different things, you can FaceTime people. When was the last time we spent any time in the face of Jesus? Just a thought. Amen. But everything comes to die. So, so think about, look at the control phones have taken over people. 
And what, and what does that do? That pulls you away from something else. Every temptation is to pull you away from something else. And you can always tell when you're under the yoke of a temptation because we always have a justified reason. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hey, Pastor, you're getting personal. Hey, hey. my job. Richard Seib said this. Listen to this. Satan offered God's man the fruit of the tree in the garden and took away paradise. What a powerful statement. Satan said, hey, have some fruit. Because in exchange, I get paradise. Therefore, in all temptation, let us not consider what he offers, but what we shall lose. Every temptation, every offer of the devil comes with a hook. It's a lie. It's a deception. And it comes with a hook. And the hook is to take from you. He's a thief. Are you listening to me? He's a thief. All temptation comes from the enemy. He's a thief. And he's stealing what rightfully belongs to you in Christ. So you have to consider not just a temptation, but what could I lose? What could I lose? Let me just pause and, and share this right now and just it, as I meant to share at the beginning. But I'm going to ask you to pray for pastors. Spend a little time, more time praying for pastors. Um, it, uh, this um, navigating through this season is amazing. And it's a whole new level of stress and uh, pressure on pastors. There's just news this last week of, a, of another pastor who committed suicide. Very large church, successful church, author, writer, and that, and uh, committed suicide. There's, there's just a weight and a pressure. Uh, there, there's pastors right now that are on the verge of, of emotional and stress and, and, and breakdowns, anxiety and stress over this situation. What do I do? Being, and, and so you're pulled in, in two places. Yeah, I'll tell you, me as a pastor, pastor, we should do this. We should do that. We should do this. We should do that. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And you're trying to, you, you have to make the right choice, hear the voice of God, and then navigate with wisdom. And uh, try not to offend as many people as possible. Which is a, so I'm not really bothered by that. So I don't care if I offend everybody. <laughs> so anyway, so we just move forward. But so, some guys, their personality, they really struggle. They they just they need to please and doing that. God made them, formed them that way. And this is a challenging time. So please be praying for pastors and church leaders. Amen. Hallelujah. So think about that. The delivering power of God was there for the nation of Israel to bring them out of the bondage of slavery. To release them from the rule of the oppressor. The power of God is available to us just as well. To deliver us from the rule of the oppressor. Take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 6. I want you to hear this. We don't think about sin always in the right terms the way we should. Romans chapter 6 beginning verse 12. Just a few verses here. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. The word reign there means to rule as a king ruling over a providence, over a territory, over an area. Don't let sin have reign, control, dominance in your body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not 
have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under what? Grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself, listen to this, slaves to obey. Slaves to obey by choice. I'm choosing to give myself to this. I'm making the choice to surrender myself as a slave to obey. You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, watch this, or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were, somebody say were, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And after being set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Paul would say it like this, I, Paul, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, I choose to give my life to be indebted to him and to serve him for the rest of my life. So man has two options before him, to be set free and delivered. But let me say this, everybody that wants to be set free, you have to desire to be free. You have to desire to be free. You have to want to. I've prayed for so many people over the year, and they just want God to zap them without them having any want to. Well, I want to quit. I, I just tried, but I can't. Lie. All you've been doing is canon. Did that make any sense? <laughs> I can't. No, you have been. You, you can't, and you do. You have to decide not to. We have the choice. You heard me say it if you've been here long. When I was 19 and strung out on heroin, I didn't get saved. I didn't do anything. I just looked in the mirror, and I didn't like what I see, and I made the choice that I was no longer going to be a heroin addict. It didn't take the anointing of God. I didn't see an angel. I didn't have a visitation. I just came up with a stupid plan to get unaddicted. Amen. And so in three days, I got myself clear. I've never recommended it to anybody else. Nobody would ever apply the same principle. I, instead of shooting heroin, I shot speed for three days. And stayed up until I just passed out and I soaked myself in bath. But after three days, I no longer was addicted to heroin. But I made a choice. See, I, I made a choice to be addicted and I made a choice to change. Your power, your will, the power of choice and free will is the strongest weapon you have. Amen. God give, gave us the power of will and choice. And if we use it, when we say I can't, we're just telling the devil, I can't. Whatever you suggest, I'll fall prey to. I'm missing a lot of good amens this morning, but praise God, I'll preach like I should anyway. Hallelujah. So we have to choose to be set free and delivered. You have to want to. Secondly, you have to choose to live free. What does that mean? No desire to go back. If you're going to get saved, you're going to live for God, you have to make that choice with no desire to go back. I'm not going back. I'm not going to return. There's nothing back there for me. You burn the bridge, whatever it takes, but you can't afford yourself an opportunity to go back. Amen. If, if, if I leave myself that opportunity, then I end up, if I keep going, what happened with Israel? They, they, they never really left. And so they kept looking back. And the looking back is what dragged them back into bondage and got them intertwined again with those around them and brought them to a place of personal self-destruction. So choose the more excellent way. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Are you doing all right this morning? 
Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 30. In verse 11, I'll begin just for time's sake while you're turning there. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. This is the commandment which I command you today. It is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Look at verse 14. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. That's Romans 10, 8, where Paul said, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart. Come on. The word of faith. Praise the Lord. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. So God says, I've set a choice before you today. God has always put a choice before his man and before his people. I've set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgment, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Now, every time you read the Old Testament and scriptures like this, people say, yeah, but preacher, we're not under law, we're under grace. No, you, you are under grace, but you're also under commandment. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We're not under law anymore. We're under commandment. He said, keep my word. He, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? Let's say, but you don't do what I say. So choosing life and doing that means to live by God's word concerning our life. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I announce to you today that you shall surely perish, and you shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and to possess. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose what? life that both now watch that both you and your descendants may live men listen to me it is so important for us as men that we make a right choice that we live as men of God that we set the standard for our home that we set the standard in our culture on our job that we be men of principle and men of purpose as men of God because it doesn't just affect us it's more than just about my personal life you live in a culture in a generation that is the biggest me generation ever everything I hear about around this virus and everything is people talking about their own personal need. Very little concern for anybody else. Well, I, I haven't been able. I haven't been able. I can't believe I, 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 I. Glory to God. God bless your eye and every other part of you. Hallelujah. But in this, listen, when we make that decision, it affects not only you, but it affects your decision, your descendants. The choices that we make are not just about me. People say, well, you know, it's my life and, and doesn't affect anybody else. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Every choice you make, your life is connected to people. And our decisions have ramifications and implications towards those that we are connected with. And I'm preaching pretty good this morning. I may not make a lot of friends, but I'll preach the truth anyway. Praise the Lord. 
So look at what verse 20 says. Look at that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your day, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. I don't know about you, I like that part. Amen. God is on our side. Hallelujah. So choose the more excellent way. The choice to follow God has always been a choice of excellence, but excellence requires effort. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 4, put off the old man and put on the new man. That takes some effort. It doesn't just happen. You know, Ezekiel 38 says, God says, in that day, I will take out of them a stony heart and I will put in them a heart of flesh. In that day, I will put my laws in their mind and nobody will have to teach everybody. Everyone just know the will of God. I wish this was that day. But today, we have to choose to renew our mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're in the process of renewal. Are you with me? So, but, and it takes effort. Hallelujah. So, think about it. Today, we want excellence without effort and choice without consequences. That's where we live today. We want to use our freedom... To impose our choice upon everyone. We want freedom of choice so long as it supports the choice I desire. That's our nation today. People want freedom of choice and, and, and they want their choice, whatever they choose, to be imposed on everyone. You have to accept my choices. No, I don't. Hello? No, we don't. I don't have to accept your choice. You have the freedom to make that choice. I don't have to live by your choice or accept it in that area. But people say, well, you know, I just want to be able to have my way. And I don't want any consequences or responsibility for the choices that I make. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. There must be a standard. God declared that there were only two results available. This is what he said. I set before you life and death. He didn't make four options. Just two. I'm going to read this to you out of the Living Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. It says, Because God does not punish sinners instantly, people feel it's safe to do wrong. But though a man sins a hundred times and still lives, I know very well that those who fear God will be better off. Unlike the wicked who will not live long good lives, their days shall pass away as quickly as shadows because they do not fear God. You know, there's a thought here that just says this. Many people think that they've gotten away with something because God hasn't judged them yet. They haven't seen any ramifications for their choice yet. No visible consequences. You see, judgment stayed is not judgment removed. That's right. It's just space for repentance. That's what God does. Judgment stayed is not judgment removed. And that's what Ecclesiastes is saying about what Solomon is saying. People think, hey, nothing's happened yet. I must be okay. I must have got away with it. God must have had his back turned. Nobody noticed. Nobody saw. So let me start to close with this. Man's right to choose was established in the garden. Man was given the choice to eat or not to eat. You see, all temptation tastes sweet like honey in the beginning. 
The first taste of temptation is sweet. But the more you give into it, the bitter it becomes. People who are trapped in temptation and lust and desire, it started out sweet. It was enticed by sweetness. But now there's a bitterness in their soul because they can't break free from it. See, we want it all. Going back to choice without consequence or responsibility. I always love it when people are doing stupid stuff and then the response to me is, yeah, but God knows my heart. Okay, however that works for you, I hope that works out. (laughs) Amen. So, God had created an excellent place for man. Think about that. In the garden, God creates this excellent place for his man. But man chose to give it up for his own desire. Man said, I'll give all this up. For what I did, look around, the beauty of the garden, paradise with God. I'll give it up for this one taste of desire. What did he do? He made the choice to eat, to partake, to be drawn away. Go with me to James chapter 1 in your Bible. I'll read this out of James. I'll read it out of the Amplified to you. James chapter 1. Verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil. And he himself tempts no one. Verse 14. But every person is tempted when he is drawn away. Somebody say drawn away. Enticed and baited, listen, enticed and baited by his own evil desire, lust, and passion. Then the evil desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. Verse 16, do not be misled, my beloved brethren. See, the enemy tries to draw us away, and he appeals to the lowest, the base nature of humanity. And in doing that, he gets us to choose, and with that choice, he's able to take away paradise from us for a mere morsel. Think about it. We have to learn how to choose life. We must choose to dispossess the enemy and repossess the promise of God in our life. Think about Daniel, Joshua, and Caleb. All three decided to have an excellent spirit and were set apart from the multitude by reason of their choices. Their choice brought the promotion of God into their life. Wednesday night I taught a lesson on on, on being lost in the crowd or walking with God. And in that I gave you the breakdown of the multitude, the 70, the 12, the 3, and the 1. And so we all start out in that multitude where we experience the power of God, the presence of God. The nation of Israel was delivered as a nation. The multitude sat with Jesus on the Mount of Olives as he taught them. And they experienced the feeding of the 5,000 and and more uh, uh, several times and all the good of God and they're part of the loaves and the fishes and all those things that God was doing but then there were 70 that pushed in a little drew in a little closer to the Lord and they became a different group and out of that 70 they found some new responsibility that God wasn't doing just things for them but God began doing things through them they've been experiencing the power of God working through their life and then there was the 
12 who were called aside even to a closer, more intimate relationship with God, given another level of power and authority. But then there was the three who was that inner circle with God that got to see things that nobody else was seeing. And there's a progression that belongs to every one of our lives. But it doesn't stop with the multitude. It doesn't stop with being one of the 70, one of the 12, or one of the three. It stops with us desiring to be one-on-one with God. God's heart for you and for me is that we would have a one-on-one relationship with Him. Not just have some other place or position or or opportunity that we've had and make that a landing point for us. We're supposed to be people like Enoch. And I shared the scriptures of Jacob was there at Bethel and he had the dream and he saw the ladder of God and the angels of God ascending and descending. And he said, hey, this is nothing more than the house of God and the presence of God. And he is here and I was not aware of it. God wants you and I aware of his universal presence in our life. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11 that Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God and he walked with God for 300 years of his life and the Lord took him home. That's the will of God that you and I would have such a walk with him one-on-one with him not just being one in the multitude it's not just enough to go to church and send in a multitude of believers and have no ever identification for your life as a christian that i sat with a bunch of other people I'm preaching this morning. I hope I'm making a friend somewhere. Hallelujah. But then to go to a 70, well, I'm part of that. I'm part of the serving team. Glory to God. Serve and do a part of that. Well, I'm part of the 12. I'm on this position of leadership or whatever. That's awesome. Well, I'm part of the three. You know, and I get in. That is awesome. But what about your one-on-one walk with God? Do you have the testimony that you please Him? That's our goal, to live a life that pleases Him. Hallelujah. The worship team will come back. We've always been free agents of choice. We all choose our eternal destinies as well as what we should do every day. You know, there's a tragic uh, story of David making a choice in 2 Samuel, and I don't have time to read it to you this morning. But God told David, he said, trust me, you don't need to know how big your army is. You don't need to know. Just trust me. And what God said is, never count how many people are with you. Never count the size of your army. Because it's not the amount of people that are going to be with, that are going to deliver you. I'm going to be your deliverer. But if you begin to count, you'll take more confidence in those that are with you than you have with me. Or you will lose confidence because you don't see enough with you. And this is God's word to the man who believed that just him and God alone were enough. But later in life, he didn't take that advice, and he numbered the people. Now watch what happened. David just made a simple choice to count. No big deal. Think about it. God says to David, oh, you like counting? You like choices? Choose one of these. You either be destroyed by your enemies, or you're going to have a plague. One choice, one choice by one man destroyed 24,000 lives. One man counted the amount of men in the army. Over 24,000 people died in a plague. And we say, my choices don't make any difference. Every choice makes a difference, men. Women, every choice makes a difference. Every choice you make is connected to somebody. We're not individuals. People live in the lie of individual Christianity. No such thing as an individual Christian. That's an oxymoron. No such thing. You're a member. The moment you get saved, you're baptized into the body of Christ. You're made a member. We are all jointly framed. Members in particular. 
and we give expression and fulfillment to the need of the whole. The devil wants you thinking individually. Because individually, you're an easy prey. Collectively, you can't be defeated. Amen. Do you know there's over 4,000 references to the power of man to make a choice in the Scripture? Over 4,000 times, personal choice is referenced in the Scriptures. What does that mean? I want you to hear me. Destiny is planned by God, but chosen by man. Let me read this last Scripture to you. Ephesians 2, verse 10. I love the way the Amplified says it. Now listen to it. For we are God's own handiwork. You are God's own hand. You are made and formed by God. You are His handiwork. And you've been recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Listen, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. (laughs) What an offer from God that he has a life. Men, listen to me. God has this life. When I got saved at 25, the mess I was in and the life I've lived now for almost 42 years with him is amazing. That God had a pre-arranged life for me and all I had to do was live with the yes in my heart to God. Just to say yes and to be a man of God. John 3.16, God so loved. 1 Timothy 2.4, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9, God does not want any to perish but make a choice to be saved. Revelation 22.17, the spirit and the bride say come. Mark 16.16, believe and be baptized. Acts 16.30-31, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over the Bible exhorts us to make the right choice and shows us that God is giving us the choice. There's nothing... This is nothing about living a life without mistakes, but about making right choices, choosing life or death, excellence over compromise, freedom over oppression. I want to challenge you. You see, stepping up to take the role as a man of God means this. It means we understand that there are consequences to my choices and that it's imperative for me to make the right choices knowing they will affect everything and everyone in my life. I heard a preacher say it years ago when he was teaching about um, church leaders and different people and speaking to ministers. He says this, the devil will let you get real big or have lots of influence so that when you fall, you take a lot of people with you. He's the master of the setup. You think about it. Think about how many people have got discouraged because of the fall of spiritual leaders when things have happened. And, and those people think it won't affect anybody else. And people are, are, are impacted by their lives and they're back. And there's people hiding in shadows when misappropriations are taking place and, and improper things have happened in, in ministry and stuff. And then people get discouraged. And by the acts of a person, it has a compound effect upon their lives. 
our choices have the same result. But as men of God, we rise up and say, hey, I'm going to take this responsibility. I believe this with all my heart. God has placed a mantle of leadership upon us as men. If there was ever a day and an hour, it's a time for men to rise up. And, and I hope I, well, I won't be able to say this without making somebody mad, so I'll say it anyway. Watch the media today. Watch the demasculation of man. Watch the rise of the strength of feminization. And the woman is one of the most unique creations that God made. But never at the expense of manhood. I hate commercials and advertisements and programs where the man's the idiot. He's the dumb one. It's an attack, guys. And we can't afford to delegate leadership to our wives. I've never met one wife, one woman, that doesn't desire a man of God in her life. A man of spiritual authority. A man who desires to walk in the power of God. A man who will take the lead. A man who will rise up and be the man God created him to be. I've never met one woman saying, well, I don't need that. No. Never. Think about it. There's a mantle of leadership upon us as men. We're to lead by example of our choices, allowing the fruit and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to be evident in our lives by choosing God and His destiny. In all things, choose God. I'm asking you to stand me right there in your house. I don't get to give altar calls anymore, but stand right there in your living room. Stand right here, those who have been able to join us today. Stand up. To me, the greatest tragedy of this time is not being able to give an altar call. Not being able to get people to respond to God, to make a choice, to move in response, to say yes to God, and to take that step of action in response to the Word. So I'm asking you to bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Father, your Word has reached into the hearts of men. Father, I pray today that there are men who are going to rise up and be the Joshua's of this day and this hour. Men who are going to say, hey, this is what God has set forth. This is the standard that He has set forth. And I'm a man of God. And I'm going to rise up and declare that as for me and my house, as for me, I've made the choice myself. And my choice is going to have an end and an impact over my house. We are going to serve the Lord. I personally have made a choice to make God my God. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to choose Him. And I'm going to serve Him. And as a result, my house is going to serve the Lord as well. Father, I pray that there would be an impartation and a boldness that would come upon your men right now. Father, I break every lie. I break every deception. I expose every temptation and lie that the enemy has used to bring men into bondage. Father, I declare a day of deliverance, a day of breakthrough, a day of release over God's men today. Father, I thank you you are stirring by your spirit. I thank you you desire to raise men up. I thank you you need leaders today. You need voices of truth. You need men of the spirit, men of power, men anointed to do good in the earth, to declare truth. So Father, I declare an anointing and a release coming to your men in Jesus' name. Come on, men. If you receive that, just right where you are, begin to raise your hand begin to make a declaration I'm a man
man of God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to say yes to God. I'm choosing to live for Him. My choices affect other people. I'm going to make choices that bring positive change. I'm going to make choices that produce life, not death, in Jesus' name. I refuse to be a slave to sin. I refuse to give dominion to anybody over my life except the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, just tell God you desire to be a man of God. You're going to live for Him in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we love you. Hallelujah. We love you, God. We're going to be your men. We're going to be your women. We're going to say yes to you with all that we are. We're not going to let the time and the season that we are in. We're going to not let all these voices and all this stuff. We refuse to be bound by fear. We refuse to be bound by sin. We refuse any and every weight and yoke of bondage. Lord, we thank you. You are God of freedom. You are God of liberty. You are God of power and deliverance. So we thank you today. We are a free people and we are free men and we are men of power and we are men of purpose and women of purpose in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm, they're going to sing this song again, Run to the Father. That's what I want you to do right where you are. Just stay standing. Come on, let them lead us in worship. I want you to run to the Father. I want to say, Father, here I am. Come on, no more hiding, no more running. Come on, if your heart needs a surgeon, let him help you. If you need healing, let him heal you today in Jesus' name. And we'll close in prayer. Carried a burden too long on my own, cause I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it. Go. I see it now. I lay it down, and I know that I need you. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My soul needs a sergeant. My soul needs a friend. So I run. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, the reason to wait, my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again and again and again and again,
Hallelujah. Yes, Father, we thank you. You are always available. You're our refuge. You're our answer in every need. Hallelujah. We bless you today. You know, Charles Finney said this. He said, give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I'll change the world. I'll change the world with just a hundred men. I could change the world. And I don't know about you, but maybe there's been somebody in your life, and if you haven't seen anybody like this, then I encourage you to find somebody that you could look to. Say, you know what, before my life's over, I want to live like that, believe like that, walk like that, talk like that, pray like that. Before I'm done, that's my goal. I want to be a man of God. That's what God is looking for. And He's raising us up. So what do you want to be? What do you want to do? God is looking to raise up men and women today like never before. And you're going to have a choice. Here's the choice that you have to break out of. The, the world is hoping that if they keep us from having church long enough, people will lose the desire to fellowship and to assemble anymore. That, that They'll opt out for options of disassembly and call it assembling. They'll opt out for disconnection in place of connection. You have a choice. How are you going to live? What's your passion going to be? What's your desire going to be? How are you going to live for God? I pray that God ignites a fire and reignites truth in every one of our hearts. That we would be the people, the men and women. I want to live my life in some way that I could be an inspiration. And somebody said, hey, I want to know God like that. I want to live like that. I want to pray like that. I want to have faith like that. That somebody, uh, Paul said it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. As men of God, that should be our desire. We should be able to say, hey, come alongside and be with us. Amen. Follow God with me. Praise the Lord. Hey, we love you. God bless you. Wednesday night, I'm going to be here at Pastor Al Soto. Tomorrow night, our men, we're going to get together for our Bible study, 630. So guys, you want to join us for our discipleship class, 630 in the fellowship hall. We love you. God bless you. Have a great, great day. We'll see you either tomorrow night, Wednesday night, or soon somewhere. Amen. Take your mask off so I know it's you. God bless you. Bye-bye.